And it says, all things work it to good for them that love the Lord and, and that are called according to not your purpose, but his purpose. Right? So when you begin to embrace your God-given purpose, it's almost like it's that whoosh. It, it's like a highway, right? Mm -hmm. you, you no longer have to be in the valley of the shadow of death. You no right. longer have to be fearful, right? It's, it's like you have to fight through all of those things. But when you get on God's way, when you get on God's highway, he will 10x you in a minute. Uh, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons. another episode of how i discovered my gift with yours truly david d simons i'm honored and delighted and excited to dig into this entrepreneur's story today allison edna welcome to the show thank you so much for coming on thank you david thank you for having me it's truly an honor it's truly an honor i, I want to give you all a background on allison she has a remarkable story a remarkable background that you're going to all learn I got, a, I got a few glimpses, but I know we're going to go deeper today. So Allison Etenop is an entrepreneur. She's most notably known as the founder and president of Etenop Incorporated with over 250 employees. That was not a typo. Over 250 employees. She's built a multi-million dollar empire through her various endeavors. She comes from humble beginnings, born in the Bronx, New York, and raised in Newark, New Jersey during her adolescent years and, and Maplewood, New Jersey during her teen years. Christ found her heart at a young age of four. Can you believe that? We're going to dig into that. And, yeah. and manifested a small miracle during a time of trouble, which changed the trajectory of her life. She's here today to share her story of faith, trials, and victory. Again, welcome to the show, Allison. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. So, you know, we got to start in your childhood. So take take us through that. We got to hear the story about this miracle. And, uh, and then we'll go on from there. So um, as, as you mentioned earlier, I was born in the Bronx, I have very little, if any recollection of living in the Bronx, New York. Um, my parents are both from the islands. Um, my mother is from St. Vincent, my father's from Antigua. Nice. And, um, you know, I think I was about one or so when we decided to move over to Newark, New Jersey, lived in Ivy Hill um, for the first three, four years of my life. And uh, church was a very major part of my life. Um, we probably was at church seven days a week. <laughs> no exaggeration. Um, just, you know, participating, we were very active in church. Um, I participated in a lot of the youth activities there. My mom um, was our youth leader at my church growing up. Um, and everything just seemed perfect. It seemed great. I mean, um, but you notice things, you notice little things, right? Um, 
you know, I, I, I know that we didn't live in the nice homes that we see on TV. We lived in Ivy Hill, which was a projects. Um, and, you know, things would happen, but we never experienced it. I never knew it to be like a bad place. You know, um, I have a lot of great memories living there. Um, we would do a lot of walking. We would walk to the supermarket to pick up our groceries and the whole bit. Um, but like I said before, church was like a major part of my life. I loved, um, I loved our, you know, Christian group where we would do our studies, um, and studying and learning about the Bible stories. Um, Noah's Ark was one of my favorite stories that we would learn. And, um, but like I said, you notice things, right? You notice like a cadence or a pattern in your life, especially when things are just beginning. And I noticed that me and my mom would go to church, um, but my dad wasn't coming with us, you know? He'd be watching football. Um, and I just, I never had any memories of my parents having any problems. Um, but all of a sudden one day, you know, my uncle came and took me on a long journey to Canada. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was like, you're, you're gonna be back soon. I don't know if I just thought it was a vacation. I didn't know what to think about it, um, but it took us about two days to head up to Winnipeg, Canada, where I stayed with my aunt for about a year. Wow. About a year, yeah. So- um, How old were you at that time? I was four years old at that point. Oh, wow, you, you're in, you remember four. I cannot remember four. Oh, yes, I, well, you know what it is? When you have a traumatic event or a traumatic experience at a young age, that will stick with you. Mm. So I have very vivid memories at four. Um, and I think I would describe myself as shy, very, very shy. Um, a lot of things, you know, totally. And of course, at four years old, a lot of things go over your head. You, you have no true conception of life and everything mm. that life embodies, but, um, Moved up to Canada and I love my cousins dearly, but they were in trouble. They were in a very um, abusive situation there. Mm -hmm. And my aunt, I guess, extended the service to my mom that she would help me while, my, while her and my dad were separating. Um, I had no understanding of what was happening during this time. Mm -hmm. um, and the abuse began. I, I can't describe it any other way. Um, mm. My cousins were, you know, I'm tempted to use the word discipline, but it, it's not discipline. It, it was abused regularly. Wow. And they were constantly looking for an out. And I was the new, it was almost like being hazed, right? Mm. I was the new one that came in and especially uh, my youngest cousin, the one that's closer to me in age, she's about four years older than me. Um, you know, everything was, I didn't do it, she did it, you know? And um, I remember one time my aunt beat me so bad, my, black, my back was black and blue. And I remember my cousins surrounding me, like we will never allow her to touch you again. Um, our situation there was very strange. Like we would wake up, you know, 4.30 in the morning for worship. And we would come downstairs to have worship, but there was no love there. 
um, you know, we were there, we would be there singing songs. We would, you know, be forced to learn these Bible um, scriptures. Yeah. But there was no connection between the scriptures that we were learning and the life that we were living. Wow. You know, we attended church regularly. You know, my aunt had her friends. <laughs> In hindsight now, I think of them as like cronies, you know, they would come and they would kind of force us to to stay up and pray all night long, you know, in the living room. I think my aunt at the time, to be honest with you, I think she was really going through something. I think she was going through a divorce and I think God is all she had to hold on to. And here she is with three kids of her own and me a fourth to feed and to take care of. And she just lost it. She she was off her rocker. Wow. Um, she's come later in life. She's come to learn um, I don't think she fully understands. I think she only understands because of the relationship that she's had to fight for for her children, you know, but I'm going too far. I'm like fast forwarding too much in the story. But ultimately, you know, it was just, it was a really terrible existence. Mm. Um, one to which has bled through even to, in towards our adult years. You know, she has a very strained relationship with her children. Um, and, you know, it's something that her and I have discussed throughout the years. Um, but let me tell you about the story. So as I mentioned to you before, you know, we went to church, you know, six, seven times a week. Like I said, we were very, very active in church. And, you know, and going down there and experiencing what I experienced, um, I did get opportunities to talk to my mother. And I had to be very careful with the words that I would say because my aunt would be in the room when I was speaking to her. Wow. And she would send me down gifts. So my birthday came about and my father sent me a bike. That was the first time that I had received something from him because I hadn't heard from him at all while I was there. So I was so excited and, you know, Canada has very long winters. <laughs> so by the time I was able to ride my bike, you know, it was probably well into, you know, June, July. And I was, you know, teaching myself to learn to ride my bike and I fell off my bike. Um, and I pretty much bruised my hand really badly and my knee, like I was bleeding. And my aunt was the type where she would discipline, abuse, beat for any reason whatsoever. Jeez. And I, um, I ran in the house and washed my hands and I wrapped them up with toilet paper. I don't know what I was trying to do. Mm. I just know I was trying to be invisible, right? Mm. And I just said a quick prayer and I was just like, Lord, help, like the tears, the welding. Like even now <laughs> I'm talking to you about it. I can feel that feeling that I felt in attempts to, you know, I was begging God to please help me because I knew as soon as she came home that that would be her first level of recourse. <laughs> and I know it sounds so strange, but it's, it's, it was just how life was, right? Mm. If, if you weren't perfect, if you weren't behaving in the right way, or if yeah. you had done something even to your own detriment, like fall off your bike, 
because I, I sure enough, I, I scraped my hand really, really bad and my leg. So I wrapped my arm up with some toilet paper and I went to my bed and I said a prayer and I just asked God to help me. I was, I think at that point I was five years old because I was four when I went down there. And I remember having my fifth birthday there. Yeah. And I went to sleep, you know, a crying child, yeah. um, traumatized. I went to sleep. And while I was asleep, it must've rained. But by the time I woke up, I promise you not, my left hand was just as clean as my right hand. Mm. Mm. And the bruises that I had on my leg had all disappeared. Wow. And I went to the window and I went on my knees and I prayed and I thanked God for what he did for me. Because that was something that I didn't have to explain. I didn't have to go through any drama. And for the first time, I knew that the stories that I learned at church were real. Wow. And when I finished my prayer in the window, I opened my eyes and I looked up and I saw a rainbow. Wow. And that just cemented to me that God is walking with me. Mm. You know, and even till now, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Right. That is like my mantra for my right. life. Right? Um, because he has shown me in miracle form that he hears the prayer of the young. Yes. So, you know, you, you, you go through life, but that ultimately was like a turning point for me. Um, mm. And not too long after that, it must've been a, a couple of weeks after that. Yeah. I, my prayer always was when I was there that I can come back home. That was my prayer. Yeah. And when I saw the rainbow and when he healed my hands, I felt like he was hearing my prayer, my constant prayer, my constant yeah. request to come home. And within weeks after that, I was home. Home was very different. Home was a very different place. But the lesson that I learned through that experience is never, ever let allow anyone to do something to you because that would have never happened had my parents been you know around or yeah. in in my situation so that experience at a very young age actually took me from being introverted to extroverted wow it really taught me to speak up for myself and to be an advocate for myself wow. um and it's so funny not that I ever forgot this story, but um, when I was in college doing my grad work, I was in this class, I can't even remember the name of the class, but it was like understanding people in process. And part of that was looking into yourself and looking into major events that happened in your life that yeah. you know altered the trajectory of your life as you knew it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my mom mentioned to me was this story. She said, this has changed the trajectory of your life. This was, I couldn't share that with the class, right? Yeah. <laughs> we had to do like interview style with people that knew us very well. And that yeah. was one of the items that came up. Wow. But ultimately it changed the trajectory of my life, allowed me to become an advocate um, for myself. And um, 
I have attributed a term to it, mm. um, which yeah. is going to be the founding of my new project that I have coming up because it has happened to me so many times in my life mm -hmm. to where now I had to put a sound to it mm. um, or a, a name to it. So ultimately the name of my new ministry that I'll be, you know, sharing with the world very soon. Um, pretty much, I believe our first episode on YouTube will be um, August 15th it is called The Whoosh Effect. Oh, Whoosh. Yes. Right? It's, yes. it's, a lot of people are, are not, you know, keen to the Holy Spirit and the workings of the Holy Spirit, but when he works, to the believer, you feel something just very familiar coming on, right? right. And it's just this whooshful experience. It's it's mm -hmm. this thing that can it 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 happens in the little things. It even happens at times where, at a young age of four years old, I didn't understand it, but from the time God healed me, my whole disposition changed. The situation that I was in was no longer something for me to fear, yeah. right? It was that I knew God heard me and yeah. I knew what was coming was going to be better than the situation that I was in. Yeah. And I have experienced this at four years old. I have experienced this at 10, at 12, at 15. Even my experience when I went to college, I had... My grades weren't the greatest. Um, you know, my mom got married and um, it, that was a, an abusive situation, not a physically abusive, but definitely a, a verbal um, and emotionally abusive relationship. Mm. And, you know, I was a byproduct of something that was not made in love between the two of them. Yeah. So I received a lot of backlash from there. At the age of 12, I was working. I had a job. Wow. <laughs> where, where, where were you working? What were you doing? I was actually working as, I used to stuff envelopes. I, I won't put the name of the business on blast, mm -hmm. but my mother at the time was a manager there. And I guess she needed some childcare. So she brought me along and I would come and I would stuff envelopes. Like during their billing season, I would come up with stuff envelopes. And then at the age of 13, she would allow me to answer phones. I was an operator from the wow. time I was 13 until the time I was 18. Wow. Yes. So all throughout my high school years, um, you know, those pagers, those alphanumeric pagers. So yeah. you would call into the line. I was that person on the other line sending out those messages. So the skills that I learned actually doing that, I learned to type, you know, I learned to spell really good and really fast. Um, and, you know, getting, getting them out. And I worked that job for five years. And in the back of my mind, it was ultimately, I gave my mom my entire paycheck. I wanted to empower my mom to get out of her situation. Wow. Wow. Love. And I'd had several, you know, discussions with her and, you know, but all, all things in God's timing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I'd had several prayers about that and I just had to let it go. Um, when you're in an abusive type of situation, you don't know when it's going to get, or if it's going to get physical. 
So, you know, I stayed in the mood of prayer with that and God delivered my mom from that. Um, and that was well after, you know, they were, they were married for over 25 years. Wow. So, you know, but God has shown himself consistently as like this thread throughout my life of like deliverance. Mm. Right. And one thing he has taught me is if God is going to be good for me, he's going to be good for you too. Right. Right. You have to want to be delivered. You have to want to break through. Wow. It's like, there's this, like you said, this thread through your life. Like, like how, I mean, it's like you couldn't have planned any of those things. Like they're just, and that's childhood, right? Your, your parents are um, taking care of you and your guardians are taking care of you. And it's like, God allowed you to be in these positions to kind of elevate you to where you, it's like, jo- I think of Joseph, right? Just like oh, yeah. how, like, it seems, yeah, that seems really bad. You going through the abuse as at, at the four, that's horrible. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I, I see nieces and nephews that are that were were that young. I can't imagine doing that to a, a child of that age or 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 even older. But uh, you you were like it's like God allowed these things, and it was to take you from a pit to literally a palace, right? And, and what you're Perfect. doing. Um, so if you could speak about that now this this acceleration this trend okay so you're stacking skills in high school right where most people are just <laughs> are just reading or trying to read some books that the teachers give us but we're not really reading them reading them you're stacking real life world skills how did that give you an advantage in the in the marketplace how did like talk to me about like that and then what did, how did that lead to college and and eventually to business <laughs> So, and, and this is one thing, especially when we, we met the last time that I could never tell my story without even strangers, believers, unbelievers, look, you could believe what you want to believe, right? But I cannot tell my story without talking about how I know God was working mm-hmm. through my life. Um, and, and a lot of the things that he has led me through, um, the skill stacking, I just wanted to help my mom. Wow. I wasn't even thinking about, oh, you know, I'm I'm doing this. You know, I was like, mom, just give me $100 out of my check and all the rest, you can keep the rest. And that was very helpful for my mom. Wow. Because once she, we pretty much worked that business until Pagers died, right? Pagers died around the time I was around 18 years old. And the business that bought out the company that she was working for, when they hired her, the way that my paycheck was done is it was brushed off on my mom's income and my mom would pay me out of her check. So, but what that did was that allowed her to come from a place of strength and negotiations, right? Which ultimately led her to be able to go out on her own, right? To be able to support herself. So the ultimate end eventually happened to where she was able to financially support herself and to be out on her own and Mm -hmm. out of the situation that she was in. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I, I wasn't thinking of it like I'm developing or building skills. Mm -hmm. um, when it came time for me to graduate, I barely graduated from, from college. I, I don't, I, I'm almost ashamed to say, I think I had like a 2.5 GPA. My focus was not on school at all. My mm. focus was on helping my family, helping my mother, right? Um, for the last couple of years in high school, I lived with my dad, but I still continued to work at the same location. Literally, I lived right around the corner from my mom. Like I could look out my window and see where my mom was. So wow. that was like an interesting situation, but ultimately it, I wasn't thinking of it like that. So, so I was super active in the church though. And I was attending a church gathering, I believe it was like a, a church barbecue and a first lady from another church. We had like families of churches, you know, and we would have these group like events and she knew I was a youth leader at my church and she came to me and she sat me down and she said, now mind you, this is in August. School starts September, September, you know, 5th. Some, yeah. somewhere around there. And she sits me down and she says, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do? What is your, what are your plans? Are you going to school or you? Yeah. And I said, you know, I would love to go to school, but I'm not sure that's in the works for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I said, I might go to the army. I might, you know, I, I felt strongly in my heart that school was the next step for me. Yeah. But I was not sure that that's what God wanted for me simply mm. because I couldn't see it. Right. I, here I am with a two point, um, 2.5 GPA. I might've yeah. even had like a 2.4, but yeah. <laughs> however, <laughs> and she leaned over to me. She was a counselor for Kane university. Yeah. And she leaned over to me and she said, this is where my office is. Meet me on Monday. Hmm. And I went into the office and for about two to three weeks, mm -hmm. I went into that office every single day, filling out paperwork, doing, you know, testing. And once again, it's like that whoosh, right? Even though I was in the midst of a situation that was dire, Right. Mm. One arguably would say that I waited to the last minute or God waited to the last minute. Well, I'm here yeah. to say and just share with folks in general. Right. God is always on time. Mm. Even even in the entire situation with Noah in the ark, Noah had to be in the ark for seven days before the rain started. Mm. Moses had to walk into the water. If you look at the Bible scripture, clearly he walked into the water before the water began to part. God unveiling this miracle for me was a, just another eye opening opportunity. Yeah. And just the fact that this woman cared for me so much and put her reputation on the line for me. Wow. I thought was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I said to myself in my heart and my prayer to God was, Lord, help me to never let her down. Wow. That was my hope. And that was my prayer. Wow. Um, 
My first year, I was playing a lot of spades in the game room. <laughs> I used to like to hang out with the boys and we used to play pool and play spades and you know and I and I, I would probably work right I'd play games right up until you know um right up until class started I was like look guys I gotta go they're like man this game is getting hot you know and unfortunately a lot of them brothers did not make it through oh. um but I noticed in the distance some students that would wear suits. Yeah. And they just appeared to be everywhere and engaged in the community. And I yeah. remember one day just thinking to myself, I want to be one of them. I want to mm. be like one of them, you know? Yeah. And the very next year I ran for, um, as a student rep, which is like the lowest, um, it, it was the lowest position in our student government. And yeah. I didn't win. So, you know, I felt a little bit of ways about that, but the, it, it didn't deter me. Right. Yep. I kept, um, I, that I started my college career, I guess you could say, and I got really active and the subsequent year, it was my junior sophomore year ish. I, cause I think I ran during my, the end of my freshman year for that. Yeah. And my sophomore year, I ran as president of our Pan-African Student Union. A lot of other colleges call it BSU. Yeah. And I won. I won the position. Wow. And that was like another whoosh effect. Mm -hmm. Because I put everything that I knew and loved in the church mm -hmm. into you know, my PESU. And for those who, who are out there, PESU, <laughs> that was like our, our little thing. We didn't have, you know, a lot of fraternities and sororities, but that uh, was our group of love. Yeah. And I felt like we dominated. We, we you know, had a lot of great, wonderful opportunities, um, experiences there. And it really sharpened my tool. Talk about sharpening your toolbox. Lovely. Um, the subsequent year I graduated, I not graduated the subsequent year I ran for VP of our student government and won that position. So at that point I was, um, vice president of all of our groups within the college. So that allowed me a, a great platform of visibility. Majority of my friends, colleagues that I worked with during that time, they're business owners, they're motivational speakers, they're all around the world. And you could imagine having that high and graduating on that high and then starting in the world, right? Mm. You're, you're, it's like you're starting from scratch, you're starting all over again. Right. But you know that there's something more for you at that point because right. you know that you have experienced something major, right? Yeah. Um, and our, and our existence, our organization that we had was very unique. We used to cut checks. We had bank accounts. We would hire and fire vendors. What? So having, having that experience yeah. and then going into the real world and having someone try to give you a title, mm. that was problematic for me. Mm. You know, that, that, yeah. that was a, a challenge for me. Um, <laughs> It's I, like, I, I just want to hit at something. It seems like just hearing your story, every moment God was like preparing you for what's, I don't even know the rest. We're going to hear the rest of the story, but, <laughs> but 
but it's like he kept preparing you for beyond where you were going. Like I, I go back to even as a as a child, right? Like as much as it was a bad environment at your aunt's house, whether and the reason for your aunt's devotion to God in one way from and not action in action in, in another way. But that was an atmosphere, I believe. I'm just speculating on this based on what you're sharing. But like that was an atmosphere for creating miracles. You were in worship. You were in devotion to God at a young age and invited him in. And he heard the sincerity of your prayer. And so it's like that was preparation for the miracle. And then you go to you go to high school. You're just trying to help your mom. But you're stacking in the in the byproduct, you're stacking skill sets and that's preparation for life that and school and other things. And I'm sure that helped and aided you in PESU and, <laughs> and, 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 and how you you went there and you're there running an organization like an organization. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to prepare you for where we're going next. So I just I just want to put that that in there i did a trend i see in your life from what you're sharing one thing i'm so grateful for even looking back to my experience when i was four years old i believe truly in my heart that god needed to do that miracle for me mm -hmm. because everything that i was experiencing at that time was telling me this is not the way mm. Do you see what I mean? It was telling me that this is, oh. this is all, I, I feel like he was like, let me, let me show you. I am real. Everything that you're learning is real, but when it's shown through a distorted glass, right. And too often, even in our church settings, yeah, there's so many of us that misrepresent God Sadly. and misrepresent his intent for his people. You and I have the same coach, mm -hmm. right? right? And right. and we're learning and growing in that poverty in and of itself is not for God's people. I agree. All right. And sure. and the Bible talks about like you will be the head and not the tail. Mm -hmm. That space is reserved for you. It's reserved for your purpose. Right. Right. Um and I believe I'm trying to think about the scripture in Romans 8:28. I believe it is. And it says all things work it to good for them that love the Lord and, and that are called according to not your purpose, but yes. his purpose. Right? So when you begin to embrace your God-given purpose, it's almost like it's that whoosh. It, it's like a highway. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you no longer have to be in the valley of the shadow of death. You no right. longer have to be fearful. Right. It's, it's like you have to fight through all of those things. But when you get on God's way, when you get on God's highway, he will 10x you in a minute. Right. And let me tell you, well, this is me fast forwarding again. Right. Yeah. Um, the experiences I have had has shown me what God's will was for my life. Mm. And it was unfortunate because I could no longer be content with what I perceived to be as average. Mm. I was happy that I had a job, mm -hmm. right? 
but that's not God's standard for mm -hmm. us. Um, we are kings and queens because he is the king of kings. That's right. He's not the king of peasants. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. So, and he has given us our domain to operate in, which is a piece of him. And he's given each and every single one of us a piece of him. Right? right, so that we can operate and be the king and queens of our thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and until you have found that thing in your life, right. you will not be okay. Mm -hmm. You'll always be searching for the next thing. For sure. Right, and too often we tend to settle for less, just thinking, "Well, you know, heaven is my home, and this is just kind of our dwelling place." But the reality is, is he has called his people to be, like I said before, the head and not the tail. Yeah. He has called us to lead and to be examples to the world, to be ambassadors, right? right. Ambassadors right. Are, are people who are strategically placed around the world to mm -hmm. represent their homeland. For sure. We are kings and queens put here to represent our homeland. Mm-hmm. Our homeland, and, and, you know, he talks about this all in the Beatitudes and, and Matthew about kingdom culture. Right. Right. Sure. Um, and how we ought to have our exchanges with one another. Mm -hmm. So it always bothered me um, that most of, there was very few praise reports or the praise reports were, in my opinion, lacking. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I praise the Lord. I was able to pay my light bill this month. Right. <laughs> I was able to, and, and look, the truth is God will bless you to where you think he can lead you. Mm, you got to say that again, Allison. That's, God will bless you to where you think he could lead you. So if you're God and all he can do is keep the lights on, then, then that's what you're going to get. Mm. Mm. So take us through your book. Where did that belief pattern shift for you? Like how, how did that, like, take us through, right? You graduate, you're going, you're working in the world and the real world. Now you have, you have quite a, like, by the time you graduated, you probably had like 10 years of experience of <laughs> business experience. I, I really felt that way. Um, yeah. I managed over a million dollar budget um, each we had a series, majority of my, I was the VP of funded groups. So these are, you know, groups that dance and um, you'd have, we had like a Haitian group. We had um, the, Lat, the Latin, the Latin group. We yeah. had, you know, so what we had over, you know, 30 or 40 groups, each one had a budget and all of those budgets were ran through me. Wow. So with that, that was like the greatest program ever. And our school no longer does it. My alma mater no longer has that program because they felt, I think in large part that we had too much power because mm. we did. We <laughs> hired vendors and we fired vendors. We wow. had a contract with the university to put on programming for the university. Mm. So when I left from that and, you know, started my first job. What was your first job? By the way. My first job, I was a fleet manager for Caterpillar. Okay. And I enjoyed that. I, I actually revolutionized the job 
And I remember meeting with a lot of colleagues over lunch and they would say, this is too small for you. This pond mm. that you're in is too small for you. Wow. And I didn't know at the time what I was exuding, saying, doing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the reporting that I was doing, unfortunately, a, quite a few people got let go because they were stealing from the company. And the reporting that I that I had done had brought a lot of this to light, you know? Mm -hmm. But all of this kind of stemmed back to the experience that I had in college. Mm -hmm. it, to be honest with you, it wasn't, it wasn't, Kane University is a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm more grateful for the extracurricular activities yeah. than I am for the actual schooling itself. I learned more through all the extracurricular, and that's a plus to anybody. Yeah. Because it, my experience in student org, not only did it take care of my tuition costs, which mm -hmm. was like a major thing for me, mm -hmm. and I'm terrible at storytelling, but I have to go back and tell this story. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I was at Kane, I didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Leaders within the school saw what I was doing. And I remember constantly getting the bills from school saying, you know, you owe this much money, you need to pay by such and such, or you're not going to be able to register. Let me tell you something. When you are operating in your purpose, the other ambassadors see you. Mm. And the other ambassadors who have resources will extend those resources. So let me tell you, the bills, the bills were just, they were coming. They were coming. And I was just like, I don't have it. Mm. Right. But I was pretty much, I was, my position as a student leader was second to the president. Mm. And I represented my university very well. Wow. And people who were in positions of authority, I still don't know who they are to this day. Yeah. But trust me, they got that bill paid. They were like, you need a parent plus loan. I don't, <laughs> no way. Yeah. My parents didn't have it. Where was I going to get this from? Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean when I say, you know, there's been just so many, um, experiences like that, that I've had where my back was up against the wall and God broke through. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, Allison. And I'm just, I'm sitting here wondering, like, cause I'm seeing all these different um, dots connecting and it brings me to the question, what is your most dominant gift? I believe my most dominant gift is yet to come. Mm. <laughs> so in this project, um, the whoosh effect, I believe that I am called to a space of discipleship, mm -hmm. but it might not necessarily be discipleship in the way that we've been taught discipleship to be. Mm. I feel oftentimes, um, especially in the church and places of faith, God is intangible, unreachable. He is, that's what he did for David. And that's what he did for, you know, Joseph. That's what he did for Moses. We don't put two and two together to realize that 
The only reason, the only reason why this book exists <laughs> is so that we can have a connection with him. And so that when he speaks, we hear his voice. That's right. Right? So when God asks you to do the impossible, you're ready to do it, come what may. That's right. You see? So even looking at the story of Abraham, someone told you to go kill your son. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that is beyond you, right? It, it is, it is knowing his voice so much so to the point, if you really understood the story, Abraham had the faith to know that if he did, was called to do that to his son, that God would have to resurrect his son because God had already promised that it was through Isaac's seed right yeah. that the world pretty much that that every all the promises through god will be coming through abraham's seed right so he had to have that faith to know well somehow some way and right. it, it was isaac it was not ishmael mm -hmm. right so we have to have the faith to know that this is not a book full of fables, right? right? This is not just great nighttime stories to tell our children. This shows you who God is and it teaches you how to understand the voice of God. And it allows you, it should allow you what it should be doing in you. And what the Holy Spirit does in you is it allows you to reflect back on your life and allows you to see the inner workings of God in your life so that when you are in trouble, mm -hmm. when yeah. you are in, in a space of, you know, where you don't have the bills, I have been there. When your back was up against the wall, right? I'll kind of wrap up with this story. So I'm going to grad school this was around the 2008 mark. I used to work for a major financial firm. I got in a couple of jobs in and I got the job now, like the big job where I wear the suit every day when I'm going in, in, into work. I was settling trades for a major firm. It's actually known as the largest firm now for investments on the planet. Hmm. And I got paid more money than I had ever thought, you know, I, at that point, $50,000 was a lot of money to me, you know? And I was finally in a place where I could pay my bills because I was operating in the negative with, you know, previous employment. And then Lehman Brothers dropped. Within months of me getting hired. I started in July. Lehman Brothers, I think, fell in like September, October. And that place that was so loving and so kind and so gentle became a prison. You know, we it it was the it was the best place to work ever. They would provide you, you know, lunch would be two dollars and fifty cents and you would you were having a hot meal. You know? Um everything was just heavily subsidized there. It was great. They had a gym, swimming, 
anything that you pretty much wanted to do, they, they offered it. Mm. And when Lehman Brothers <laughs> fell, I knew it was only a matter of time mm. before I was going to, I was brand new, yeah. you know, um, when you have a new hire, there's a lot of investment going on. And, you know, unfortunately I lost the job and, you know, I went to, I was doing my grad work. Um, so I kind of picked up that load full time and just lived off of unemployment. Um, I found a, a young woman who was into Wicca, by the way, that's a whole nother story. Um, and I rented a room from her and I was going to, you know, the local college and my unemployment was running out. My back was up against the wall. And my pastor said at our church, the Holy Spirit is telling me that we need to have, you know, a mode of fasting and prayer here mm. at our church. And let me tell you something. I put everything. <laughs> I put everything that I had into this 40 day fast. Mm. Um, I did not fast from food. Right. But what I did do is I fasted from anything that was um, manipulated. So I wasn't eating anything that came out of a box. I actually mm -hmm. realized you could eat pretty well um, by eating whole foods, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I took that out of a page from um, Daniel yeah. that, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I cut off TV altogether um, during the 40 days. I was listening to music and I said, you know what, Lord, I feel like this music might be taking me away from you. Mm -hmm. So I cut off during the fast. Now I'm, I'm changing the way that I walk through my fast. Right. Because I didn't want, I needed this to work. Right. <laughs> yeah. I needed God to see me. I needed him to hear me. Mm -hmm. um, and I prayed for three things specifically. It was a mate. It was um, my job situation that I would get one. Um, and I was praying for like my spiritual walk that I would just be closer with him. Yeah. Um, everything from, and God was just showing me so much about myself. Even me driving in the car, I was looking at myself too much in the mirror. Hmm. So then I went through that. All I was doing was just, you know, taking the cloth. I don't know what I was looking like during the daytime, but you know, I, I, I for, for a good, few weeks I wasn't looking in the mirror I didn't want to listen to any music I didn't want to listen watch the television I was simply in my word between my word and like my school studies is where my focus was well mm -hmm. earlier um in the fast my professor had asked if anyone was interested in a consulting position of course I raised my hand and we went through the course. I didn't hear it, but because I was doing nothing more than being in my word and studying for class, I aced his class. It was a marketing class. And I'm on my knees in prayer in my room and my phone rings. So I quiet it mm -hmm. and continue my prayer. And when I pick up my phone and I listen to the voicemail, he goes, hi, good afternoon. My name is Joe and I'm from this consulting firm. I was calling because um, we'd like to schedule an interview with you. Now, mind you, I'm going through all the paperwork I can 
I don't see anything with Joe's company's name on there. I don't see anything. And I felt so embarrassed. Like I wasn't keeping track of everything that I should have. You know, when you're interviewing, oh, yeah. you keep your list of who you yeah. applied to and all the things that you did. Mm -hmm. And I called back Joe and I said, Joe, I just want to start off by saying I'm embarrassed because I have no recollection of applying to this firm. And he laughs at me and he says, are you a student at Dell State or Dell State University or the University of Delaware? I said, I go to Dell State. He said, your professor recommended you. Wow. Another whoosh moment. Amazing. Another whoosh moment in my life. Yeah. I knew from the time I got off the phone with that gentleman that that job was mine. Mm. And wow. uh, they took about, the interview process was probably about three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is that by the time I, my unemployment ended, mm -hmm. my new job was gonna begin. Mm. So of course they ex they extended me the offer. I happily took it. God is good. Um, wow, wow. Words just words just can't explain when when God is working for you. Like yeah. I said, I was running out of unemployment. I was you know on the verge of you know graduating. Yeah. And boom. Wow. It happened just like that. Really and I was so grateful for the gift. I was so <laughs> grateful to be able to work. I had to get an apartment. I had to move up north. Um, you know, at that point, you know, my mom, she had enough to take care of herself, but she mm -hmm. never really had enough to like, you know, extend to me in that way. And she was like, oh, I got money. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> she wow. gave me money, helped me out with my first apartment for that first month. Mm -hmm. And, um, I worked for that firm for a couple of years, the worst two years of my life. Mm. I did consulting work, travel, but let me tell you, he set me up with a trainer. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you are in a new world and you're dealing with new things, you need a coach, someone to guide you. So and let true. me tell you something, this woman was no slack mm. and she never let anything go. Mm. You know, we were doing reporting, we were doing consulting. I got into like this utility services thing mm. and I felt like this woman was miserable. Let me tell you something, she was the best gift God ever gave me. Wow. The best gift. The training that I got from her for those two years allowed me to enter into a 12 year season. This is my 12th, my 12th year in business. We started in 2012, 11 years in business. And we going on strong. Wow. God had given me a coach in my life. And when I tell you, I felt like this woman was so miserable. Her whole life was dedicated to the cause, but that's why she's top tier. I didn't realize that I was working with someone who was ultimately the top in the country 
mm. in what she does. Mm. Um, and that training ultimately led me to the space of um, getting into consulting, um, acquiring customers, yeah. working with them in the same utility services. I've been working in that for the last 12 years, 11 years. Um, I guess I say 12 years because there was a time where I was doing consulting in other or for yeah. other companies, but ultimately this is the space that, that I've been in. And it's the thing that I'm most widely known for. Wow. Alex, so, there's so much so, I want. I, I, I'm, I'm like, there's so much I want to ask you. We're already, we already covered some. I'm gonna ask you this: Can we do a part two? And and like, I wanna, I wanna dive deep. Like, there's so many good things here, and and, and you, I can't wait for my wife to hear this story, right? Because uh, I don't know if I can say this out loud, but she has a boss that's just like what you're talking about. And, it, and she said it's like the best thing that it's the best and worst thing that ever happened to her. So it's just like it's like I'm seeing I'm seeing a like a prophecy of what could happen for her. I believe what will happen for her by hearing your story. And I, I'm like, I don't want to be limited. And so I want I want us to if it's OK with you, we could put a pin right here for the listeners and then pick right back up and we're going to go into the Etanov Corporation and, and all the things that you do there and, and how that training and be talking about that trajectory, the, 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 the development that, that was produced by you as a person and then the distribution to, to build and scale and, and do all these great things. So what, how do you, how does that sound? Oh, it sounds awesome. I mean, as long as, you know, you would have me, your listeners would have oh, me if they're, you know, oh, right. no, right. <laughs> But um, yeah, so in the in the last year, um, and I'll just close with this for today, okay. and then we can okay. dive into the details. We have 10x, wow. and I, I believe all of this has occurred because of Bible principles um, that God has been showing me um, mm -hmm. in allowing us to leverage our experience and our skills and to share that widely. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's another reason why we're getting into the whoosh effect and why we're getting into coaching, um, yeah. sharing this message, um, of deliverance, financial deliverance. Yes. Yeah. All that is of the devil. Anything mm -hmm. less than top tier is of mm -hmm. the devil. If, if you are living your life and there are things around you that you see that you feel as if aren't right, don't, don't lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. and tell yourself that you should be okay with that mm -hmm. right um mm -hmm. what what god talks about the hand of the diligent right That's god right. talks about that and 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 not all the time it's it's working hard right mm -hmm. you got to work smart that's right i love that Allison, this is this phenomenal so like i said i'm literally after we stop for today we're going to schedule this right away <laughs> And we're going to get part two going. So listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't miss part two. We'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. So we're not going to say goodbye. We're just going to say ta-ta for now. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you 
my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.